Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, folk? It's RJ Young, the host of the number one ranked show. On Thursday, we talk through... What does it mean 2024 quarterback Dylan Rayola has committed to Ohio State? We go through our longest odds to win the national championship. Some teams that I don't think have long odds at all that you should probably take into account if you are of the wagering perspective. And who could be the most impactful transfer of the 2022 season? Subscribe to the number one ranked show wherever you get your podcast. Good morning to you and yours, except if you had the Mavs winning and Devin Booker waiting outside of club superstar. What does this mean for poor Nick Wright? Tonight, we're back to Boston. Who is under more pressure to win, Giannis or newly crowned superstar Jason Tatum? Meanwhile, in Miami, finally, what I've been clamoring for, let DJ Khaled check into the game, Spo. What are you doing? Happy Wednesday morning. I'm Kevin Wilds, in for Jenna Wolf. That's Nick Wright. That's Chris Broussard. Brew, who showed more energy last night, DJ Khaled or the Philadelphia 76ers? Oh, DJ Khaled by a mile. A mile. Maybe two. Correct answer. Bad, Philly. Oh, two miles. Unfortunately, that is the right answer. We start in Phoenix. Devin Booker, 28 points. Suns win game five by 30. Luka had two more assists than I did. Nick, how worried are you <laughs> after Luka and the Mavs got blown out? Oh, I'm not worried. Listen, this thing's going to go seven. The Mavs are going to win in seven. I'm not angry. I'm not worried. I'm angry. And we'll okay. discuss why I'm angry in a moment, oh, because okay. these Suns have become quite the unlikable bunch, and they are going to rue the day they mocked my large adult Slovenian son. If you didn't watch the game, this was a really good game for a half, and then the Mavs let go of the rope inexplicably to start the third quarter's 17 nothing run, and the game's over. Phoenix is too talented and has too much of a discrepancy as far as player ability one through eight for you to get down double digits like that on the road, and Dallas is simply not going to be able to overcome that. They won game three and game four by never trailing after early first quarter. So the idea that Dallas was going to execute some 15-point second-half comeback, they don't have the horses for that. So I'm not worried, and I let Wilds, you and Brew, I mean, I'm very curious what your commentary <laughs> is going to be because we are um, 36 hours away from a game six that both of you guaranteed was not going to happen. 
So I would I would just recommend I did you be a little uh, a, a little no. uh, judicious I said with sweet. your victory lapping. No, no, no. Something you're not allowed sucks. to do that when you're in Jenna's chair. There's a level of professionalism that is demanded from that seat. <laughs> so put your stupid broom with the stupid Drake picture away. But, Brew, I'm not worried. I'm That's angry. one man's opinion, I'm angry opinion, at how the Wilds. sons conducted themselves. Thank you. No, it's the truth. You guys said ahead, sweep bro. and gentlemen sweep. And we're fa- playing a game six. No victory laps for you guys. None. Not allowed. Against the bylaws of the show, Brew, as you would say. You know I study the bylaws, and I've yet to see that in there, Nick. But anyway, oh, look, okay. Nick, I'm, you put on a brave face. That's admirable. This thing is over. I won't go full Kenny Smith because Jenna's not here. She loves that bit. I'll save that for when she's here. (laughs) But this thing is over, Nick. It's six games. I told you yesterday, okay, so they won't beat them in five, like I said. They'll beat them in six. And you should be very worried, Nick. And, And first of all, can we put something to bed? This is kind of related to what you're saying about the Suns being unlikable. Let's put to bed the notion that Chris Paul and Devin Booker mocking Luka Doncic earlier in the series is the same thing as LeBron and D-Wade mocking Dirk Nowitzki in the 2011 finals. And here's why we can put it to bed, Nick, because after LeBron and D-Wade mocked Dirk, the Heat never won another game. Last night, I know you believe in pixie dust and all of that stuff, but can last night's result put to rest the notion that history is repeating itself? Because they mocked and the latest international superstar for the Dallas Mavericks, God forbid, got mocked by the opponent. It's not happening, Nick. The better team is winning. And that's what happens over the course of a seven-game series. Ultimately, the better team is is shown, and that is what we've seen now. And look, you got Nick. This graphic is another reason you should be worried. You know, you know the history. You're a historian of the game. Uh-oh. When the team yeah. that wins Game Five in a series tied two-two, eighty-two percent of the time they go on. And Luca knows it. Look at Luca. He knows it. That is the very stat that was going through his mind. With that look on his face. That's why he looks so distressed uh-huh. and distraught. And you should look the same way, yeah, Nick, they're up because against I said, it. this thing is over. A team no. starting Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, and Reggie Bullock is not bucking that history. Speaking of those three, they combined for eight points last night. So to, yeah, to was, your point, the better team is Phoenix Wilds. The better player, the, the best player in the series, Nick, I'll give yeah, you. Don't. I'll Not give you his Luca, the best player, but the best yeah. team is Phoenix. And by the way, Wilds, I hope you go here, Wilds. My time is running short. I'm, Devin Booker I'm going saw club, clearly saw the club superstar uh, segment yesterday. Clearly oh, that's saw that's not what Devin saw. And was sending you a message. He sent you a message. No. I believed in him. I said he should have been in there. He was sending you a message that indeed he should have. No, Wilds. You know what Devin well, Booker saw? Luca a message. He's got some old. What do you see? J- I'll just tell you what he saw. Some old corny Cat Williams stand-up act because Devin Booker Wilds was you know doing a comedy routine mid-game. Okay. So go ahead, Wilds. Oh. Take take it from there. 
First of all, this we're, we're not we're not slandering Cat Williams on the show, so let's dead that right oh, now. Give me but, a break. but what I'll you are talking about is third quarter, 67-50, 5:25 left. Dorian Finney-Smith with a hard foul on Book. Book ends up yeah, going hard, down, stays down for a while. This gets upgraded to a flagrant one. But take a listen. This is the good part. Okay. Okay. So I have so many issues with this. First of all, about NBA officiating. At Wilds and you and Brews, annual or semi-annual meeting with Adam Silver, play them this tape with audio. Because do you hear the Suns fans saying, stay down, book, stay down? You heard that in the background. Because they know NBA officiating has gotten to a point now where a common doesn't even hit you in the head foul <laughs> if you have this level of histrionics and you lay down and writhe around on the ground, they'll upgrade it to a flagrant. The fans even know it. It is bringing flopping to the NBA at a level we've never seen. Post-play flopping, you look like a fish on a boat moving around like that. So first of all is the issue with the NBA officiating doing it to ourselves. Second of all is this. Brew, maybe you were right that the initial mocking of Luka Doncic was not to the level of LeBron and D-Wade against Dirk. This crosses that Rubicon five times over. Devin Booker acting like Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is a lot of things. Not all great. He, he, he is probably the most vociferous whiner about calls in the NBA. He's a bit of a taunter. All of those things. But he does not... It, it, fake injury. He is not a weak guy. He's not a guy who, just to pick an example out of the hat, would whine and complain about being double-teamed in summer league before he had even sniffed the postseason. That's not who he is. He's a tough player who fights through injury and takes a beating from the likes of Jay Crowder, game in, game out. So the idea that Devin Booker, this is not going to come back and bite him in his ass. The uh, Brew, telling you right now, the Suns are playing with fire because the Mavs are going to win game six in Dallas. And then all of a sudden, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on CP3 legacy-wise and a lot of pressure on Devin Booker mocking Luka Doncic, who's been far and away the best player in this series. That was a bad move by him. You got to admit it. That's a bad move, well, the uh, Luka special. Give me a break. No, like Give me I a break. said, like I said, Luka is the best player in this series. But don't sleep yeah. on Devin Booker, and that's what you've done, Nick. You slept on Devin Booker. You left him out of club superstar. And that, if anything's going to come back to haunt somebody, it is your decision to keep Book out of the club. That's what's going to haunt you. To me, Nick, you know what this shows? This shows that the Phoenix Suns aren't the least, the least bit worried about the Mavericks because well, they, they know, be. as I've they been telling be. you, and Antoine will tell you in an hour, that they're a one-man squad. Luka's great, but one man by himself is not beating the Phoenix Suns, not unless he's Giannis, and even Giannis had help with Middleton and Drew Holiday and the rest of the bunch. So the, 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 this tells me Book's not worried at all. Middle of the game, you know what third I didn't quarter, hear yeah, they started to, they were up 17, 
but he he wasn't concerned at all about okay. me. We'll, we'll discuss this he more later. Have, he did have two assists. Hey, head down to Miami. We're going there. Sixers didn't never showed up though. We'll discuss next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We didn't run anything. We didn't run our stuff very well. We um, played at a snail's pace. Think what did we have? 83, 85 shots. um, Turned the ball over. Uh, they gave up. I mean, everything they did tonight was harder and better. Uh, their, their stuff was better than what we ran. Uh, their energy was better. Their toughness was better. Um, I haven't said that very often about us, and that's on all of us. That's on me to make sure they're ready, um, and that's on them to be ready. Uh, tonight, we were not. You know, you know, hey, it's game five of the playoffs. Maybe you should be ready to play a game. I don't know, Broussard. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Philly loses by 35. Were you surprised by the blowout loss? I was very surprised, Wiles. Um, Look, I picked Miami to win the series before it started. And I would have picked them with a bit of hesitation, but I would have picked them even if Embiid had been healthy for the first two games. But I was beginning to think, Nick, that Philly was going to win this series. After games three and four, Embiid was getting progressively better, better in game four than he was in game three. I thought he was going to come out and dominate last night. Uh, Harden obviously had played well in game four. You were wondering, okay, has he found something? Was it a breakthrough? Remember I brought that up, that he finally played well? Great, actually, in a game that where the pressure was on and it was a big playoff moment and none of that happened I was shocked by the lack of energy intensity drive that the Sixers played with in such a must-win game it it was stunning I mean you are facing a team that is starting Max Struess and Gabe Vincent in the backcourt Kyle Lowry was out two undrafted players And they outplayed the once great James Harden. James Harden had 14 points and four assists. Even in many of the games where he hadn't shot well, he would at least give you 9, 10, 12, 15 assists. He he was out of it the whole night, no energy, and then Embiid struggled as well. This was stunning, Nick, Um, and I don't – look – This series has been a home series, so maybe they'll bounce back in game six. But what they did last night was absolutely shocking. 
And now I feel strong, as strong as ever, that Miami, even if they don't win game six, they will win this series. Yeah, I, I was shocked as well, but maybe I shouldn't have been. And Wilds nailed it. Like, Doc Rivers talking about his team having a lack of energy in game five of the second round of the playoffs is just unforgivable. But Doc, had, we've right. talked about Doc's struggles up 3-1, up 2-0. Let's look at Doc's last handful of game fives. Well, yesterday was a disaster. Game five in the first round was the game, their single worst game against Toronto. They're up 3-0. They lose game four. They no-show game five in Philly. What about last year? Last year, game five against Atlanta was a game they led going into the fourth quarter and lost the fourth quarter 40-19. to What about the, his last year with the Clippers? Game five against Denver. That, they're up 3-1 in that series. They have a double-digit lead in the second half, and Denver storms all the way back to win by double digits themselves against the Clippers. For some reason, Doc Rivers has a rough history in Game 5s, which are, oh, I don't know, just the most critical game in a playoff series other than a Game 7. Like, it's a weird spot for your team to consistently come out flat or not put a whole game together. But what I was really most bothered by, Wilds, was the commentary surrounding the game. Because, listen, the media can be powerful. Inside the NBA is the single best sports television show uh, maybe ever. Certainly the best NBA show. I, I have massive love and respect for all four of those guys. But Barkley, it, he was speculating on something that I know, I know to be false, which is Barkley said at halftime and then reiterated after the game that ah, Embiid wasn't into it because he was disappointed he hadn't won MVP. And Embiid had, knew he hadn't won MVP Wilds. He, he, Embiid is as locked in to the media as any star. We all knew, the reason we have mm -hmm. talked on this show that Jokic was the MVP before the report came out, Wilds, was because we saw the Tim Bontem straw poll and it was over. We all knew it. Embiid knew it. So the, I, the, we gotta, I know he's playing through injury, Wilds, but the idea that he all of a sudden isn't suffering from a concussion a broken face and torn ligaments in his wrist. It's just unfair to the guy. He got whacked in the face in the first quarter. It clearly affected him and he's far from a hundred percent. I just think, I think Embiid has earned more respect than for us to think he dogged a playoff game because he was disappointed about not winning MVP when he already knew he hadn't won MVP. Okay, so um, we're going to listen to Embiid in a second, but just to Barkley's point, even when you know something is going to happen, I still think that you can still be on your mind. It's like, man, I knew my ex-girlfriend was engaged, but once I saw the wedding pictures, it really hit home. Not me personally, right. but I'm just telling you. So here's Embiid after the game. This is something that I knew, you know, weeks ago. Uh, you know, even probably two weeks before the season, uh, and it, I guess every year is all about, you know, whatever you guys decide, whatever fits the narrative uh, as far as, you know, who's going to win. I'm not mad. Um, no, that's two years in a row. Uh, you know, I've, I put myself uh, in that position. It didn't happen. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like at this point is whatever. Whatever happens, happens. 
Yeah, I'm listen, and Bede's like me. With the MVP is not something you have to care about anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. It's a you know, it's a participation <laughs> trophy in the NBA. It's what the voters have done to it. However, Brew, listen, I understand Joel Embiid has never played in the conference finals. I understand he is not some proven playoff performer. I get that. I also think he has earned our respect as a competitor and as a warrior. To not think, and, and was seeing him cry after Kawhi hit that shot a few years ago. The guy cares. And I just thought it was an unfair accusation to act like Joel Embiid's head was somewhere else. If it was somewhere else, it's because he just suffered a concussion and his face is broken. It's not because he's like, ah, damn, Jokic won another fraudulent MVP. Now I'm going to dog this game. I just thought it was unfair, bro. Look, I'm not saying I believe Barkley, but I am with Wilds, Nick, on this and that. Yeah, he saw the report like the rest of us saw the report, but I'm sure he still was holding out hope that he was going to be the MVP. And and Wilds is right. Like, there wasn't the degree of certainty until this week. Like, yeah, he thought, okay, it looks like Jokic is going to win it. But this week he knew. All right, he knew now he wasn't winning the MVP, and it may have gotten to him because, Nick, as you said, I I definitely agree with you. Embiid cares about winning, but he also cares about winning the MVP. And so I'm just, I don't think it's as much of a non-possibility as you do. That's all I'll say about that. But let me, I want to address this too, because Embiid did, kind of bring up or or at least allude to the media getting it wrong. And and I look, I've had Jokic in the, in the third spot on my ballot. I voted for Giannis and then Embiid second. So I didn't agree with Jokic winning MVP. But I'm going to push back on this notion that the media shouldn't be voting. He brought up Bill Simmons and his criticism of the rookie Jalen Green on a podcast to as evidence that the media is biased. I look that you guys know that quote from Simmons was taken way out of context. He didn't mean it like people are projecting it to mean like he just hates Jalen Green and not going to vote for him by any, you know, under any circumstances. But let me point out players. The media is the most qualified and unbiased group that you could have voting on these awards. And I'm going to prove it to you. Because when players got the vote for the All-Star game, right? Remember back in 2017, the players' first year, oh, we get the vote for All-Stars now. Well, 128 players did not vote for LeBron James. And 154 players out of 450 didn't vote for Kevin Durant. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and it is proof that players have more biases, they they play more favorites, they vote for ex-teammates, current teammates, don't vote for guys they don't like. And the media, you can disagree with this vote all you want, but the history of the media is that they are the most unbiased in voting for this stuff. Nick, you notice when players voted, Bill Walton won MVP after playing only 58 games. Correct. Yeah, when they vote for MVP, he played only 58 games. Kareem won it with no, not making the playoffs in 1977. Not making the playoffs. Or 76. Yep, absolutely. And, and and had a losing record. So the media no, has the been year, much better in voting for this listen, award. 
There, and there was a year Elgin averaged 38, and Oscar averaged a triple-double, and Wilt averaged 50 and 25, and Bill Russell won MVP averaging 18 points a game uh, when the players were voting. So, yes, I under, there you. isn't how – I agree with you, Brew, that the media voting for the MVP is the best methodology. Unfortunately, Wilds, the media no longer votes. The robots do. It's an algorithm. You type it in, and Jokic wins every year. So I would love to get back to the media voting, but the media doesn't vote anymore. It's the robots. Don't get me started on robots. Meanwhile, we're going to head to Los Angeles. The saga of the Lakers. I can't stand robots, man. The algorithm, you know, every once in a while you recommend me a good product, but the robots. New call from Bill Platschke in the L.A. Times. Jeannie Buss, not happy. Here's her quote. I'm growing impatient just because we had the fourth highest payroll in the league. When you spend that kind of money on the luxury tax, you expect to go deep into the playoffs. So yeah, it was gut-wrenching for me to go out on a limb like that and not get the results we were looking for. Broussard, what was your biggest takeaway from the column? Well, I had a few. Um, and one was that, look, Jeannie said the right thing. I'm impatient. You know, she said later on, I will make the hard decisions. If we're not living up to the Lakers' standards, I'll look at everything. But then it didn't ring true. It kind of came off, as you read the whole article, like she was just saying it because she knew that's what the fans wanted to hear, that you're impatient and we're, we're you know, turning over every rock and stone to find the answer. And the reason I say it didn't ring true is because she had incredible a unwavering confidence and faith in Rob Palinka and Kirk Rambis. Now, Thank my you. thing is this Thank with Palinka. It's un the the you can ha- of course he's your GM. You believe in him. But the confidence level that she suggested she had yesterday or in the column was is unwarranted to this point. Because let's face it, Rob Palinka did not build that championship team. He had nothing to do with LeBron deciding to go to the Lakers. And he didn't get Anthony Davis. Let's face it, LeBron got Anthony Davis. And even KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who was a role player there. I mean, yeah, Rob had something to do with it. But really, that was just, you know, Rich Paul and Clutch bringing KCP there and getting him a great contract, too. So Rob didn't build that team so my point is, where's the unwavering? Where? Why does he have this unwavering faith that Jeannie has in him? And then Kurt Rambis, she says, you know, she talks about how much confidence she has in him and his 40 years of basketball experience. Well, Kurt's yeah. coached more than 200 games as a head coach. He's got a 28% winning percentage, Nick, as a head coach. My point is this. If she was really holding everybody's feet to the fire and really impatient, she would sound the alarm on the front office. Like, look, we, we dropped the ball this year. All right. We've got, I, I, I believe in Rob. I believe in Kurt, but th- they've got to get it done. Like I wanted to see a more of a sense of urgency and kind of putting those guys feet to the fire to hire the right coach, to make the right moves. And she did none of that after saying, how impatient she is. No. But it's hard to hold people's feet to the fire when everyone you employ is your close personal friend. Except for Vogel. He was the one who wasn't, so he's the only one who gets fired here. I, every single quote in this story 
made me angrier than the previous one, except for I get, and I'm going to go through them, except for the last one where we spent three paragraphs about how, but Laker fans hand Genie Bust their baby to hold at games. Well, in that case, then I guess your ownership is going just great. What? Like, okay, yes, I mean, oh my God, you've got your six-month-old in Lakers gear. Where does that happen? I don't know, everywhere? Like, there's NBA onesies in Oklahoma City, too, man. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But let's just go point by point here. The first one is calling paying the luxury tax going out on a limb. You know what I'd call it? Owning the Lakers. Having LeBron James and Anthony Davis championship window open, you're supposed to pay the luxury tax. And also, though... Don't complain about paying the luxury tax and then explain why it makes sense for Linda Rambis to be a highly paid employee on the payroll. The quote about Linda Rambis is astounding. It's, I don't understand. She's in the same role she's been in for the last 40 years. My advisor, Brew, 40 years ago, Jeannie Buss was 20. So if Linda Rambis's job is the same as it was 40 years ago, do you know what it is? Friend. Now it's employed friend, paid friend. She's like, no, Linda's not. She's not involved in basketball decisions. What she does is help players get acclimated to Los Angeles. Huh? So like you trade for Russ and they're like, hey, Linda's going to take you a tour on a tour of Brentwood in case you've never been to L.A., help you find the best schools. What are you talking about? And then Kurt Rambis, when she throws out there, he's worked in this league for 40 years. Yeah, but 35 of them, your family or your fiance was his employer. That's not a thing. Like if I hire Wild's kid and he works for me for 25 years and people are like, why, why does Billy, well, what makes him qualified? I'm like, well, he's worked in television for 25 years. It's like, yeah. For you, buddy. That doesn't mean he deserves to be here. Billy, by the way, would be an excellent addition to the staff one day. There, and then she says, I want to make it very clear. LeBron and Clutch are not running anything. It all stops with me. I'm glad to hear it. Then stop leaking that they're running everything. This idea that, like, no, I, it all stops with me. Meanwhile, all the reporters that are closest to Jeannie keep coming out with stories like, oh, boy. LeBron made this bed. Now he's got to sleep in it. Oh, he forced our hand. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth here. And then it's like, yeah, Magic Johnson left us in a lurch. I never expected it. I adore and love him and lean on him for support. Phil Jackson is 76 years old, hasn't built a team properly ever. But yes, of course, he's one of my trusted, most trusted advisors. You might see us having breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but read nothing into it. The whole thing was maddening. You're the owner of the Lakers. And the only person you've held accountable is Frank Vogel, who, by the way, deserved to be held accountable. But it it is not it it does not it it resonates with me that he's the only person in a powerful position that you don't have a close, longstanding, multi-year relationship with. You can't run it like the family dollar. It's the Lakers. I know it's a family business, but it's not really. It's the Lakers. Make some tough decisions. Okay. All right. So that's what I want to get to, the tough decisions. Because, Broussard, my criticism with the column, or really with the, how the Lakers are being run, is the same as my criticism with HBO's winning time. Your obsession with trying to recapture the past is distracting for me. Every one of the major players in this column 
is connected somehow to Lakers greatness long ago. If it's Phil Jackson, if it's Rob Palenka, if it's Kurt Rambis, if earmuffs, Nick, it's LeBron James. It's a, a while ago, I was good. We saw it flare up with Russ. When Russ was having problems, he's like, why do I believe in myself? Because I scored 13,000 points or whatever he said. It all feels very, as Colin would say, rear view mirror. We're at a fork in the road that nobody wants to take the right turn. The answer is to probably blow it up, but nobody wants to do it. The Lakers, we, we talk about the Rockets, we think about the future. We talk about the Grizzlies, we think about the future. We even talk about Anthony Edwards, we think about the future. All We talk about the Rockets, and Rockets are going to be good. We talk about the Pelicans, we think about the future. We talk about the Lakers, you're constantly talking about the past. So, Broussard, I'll put it on you if you're running the Lakers. Are you keeping things as is, trying to get incrementally better, trying to make a trade for Russ that doesn't exist, or are you making a major move? I'm look, I'm keeping LeBron James. That's let's just and that's one thing Jeannie okay. said. She made it clear that we are not looking to trade LeBron James. She's excited about him passing Kareem next year in a Lakers jersey. So LeBron's not going anywhere, and that's how I would keep it. Now, I would likely keep Anthony Davis, but I would explore some trades. And I'll just throw this out there. If I if I'm, you know, do you what is about a Clay Thompson James Wiseman uh package uh for for Anthony Davis? Would the Warriors be interested in that? I'd want a little more from the Lakers. The Warriors would. But things like that. Like look at look at things, look at some of those. I would look, let's put it this way, Wiles, I'd explore what I could get for AD. But most likely, I'm keeping LeBron and AD. I'm definitely trading Russ okay. and getting rid of him. And I'm handling my coaching, hiring better. But I think you get AD and LeBron and you can build around them. I don't think you blow it up. They blew it up before or when Kobe left, they had to start from scratch. And you saw how that worked. They they spent six years, five years out of the playoffs. And so blowing it up isn't always the answer because there's no guarantee, especially with the way they're being run right now. Who, how did, Where's the guarantee that they're going to make the right draft decisions? So well, I that's would the not key. blow it up. So that's that's the most important thing. I I I definitely would not trade Anthony Davis for Clay Thompson and James Wiseman. I I I I have a visceral negative reaction to that trade if I'm rooting for the Lakers to succeed. But I also am not trusting Rob Palenka to make any type of franchise altering trade in, in, in associated with Anthony Davis. There's no chance I'm trusting Rob Belinka to do that. But I do, while you and I off the, I don't know if you did like a hypnosis class or something. You and I off the air at some point have to discuss how you perceive time. Because you're like, everything happened long ago. You're dealing with Magic Johnson. That's from 40 years ago. Dealing with Phil Jackson. It's from last decade. Dealing with Rob Belinka. That's from the Kobe era. And dealing with LeBron James, who won a title for you two years ago. My God, all of these relics of the past. And so like did one Rob Polink and Frank Vogel. It's not like the other. Keep them friend. around. So, all right. So, so, all right. So, it, when they won a title, LeBron said everybody wants their mm-hmm. respect, but Jeannie mm-hmm. Buss now does, yeah. doesn't get respect. Polinka doesn't get respect. Vogel doesn't get respect. But LeBron is hand. Oh, we got LeBron is the only one out of that triumvirate. Well, that LeBron won respect. Finals MVP and averaged 30, 10, and 8 in the series. If you thought, listen, if you're back on Vogel should be the coach, he did a good job. That's an interesting corner. You should maybe stick there. I happen to okay. think Vogel didn't, and I don't think Polinka did. I don't know. You tell me.
Well, Frank LeBron Vogel, did. Frank LeBron MVP? in his post-game speech said, give everybody respect. He was respect. being nice. Medal stand time. I get to take a free shot a- here. <laughs> Luka didn't make the medal stands. Surprising. Guys who usually have two assists do. But it wasn't enough. Nick, who did it better? <laughs> Wilds really caught up on the all-time two assists playoff. Luka last night. <laughs> He is an all-time great playoff performer. I'm sorry he lost. You're not allowed to lose. You know, I don't even want to do the medals anymore. Bronze Aiton, give it to him. Finally, Aiton showed up. I'm happy for him. Roll through it. Silver, Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A gold medal oh, worthy performance. Oh, but uh, a kick even out of the Olympics. Oh, uh, Yeah, he would have been a gold if he didn't take that cracking cheap joke. shot at Luka oh, Doncic with that flopping. Flopping, get, baiting the refs into a flagrant. Grow up, Devin Booker. Don't double in summer league. I'll never forget it. Gold medal, Jimmy Butler. A man that conducted himself with dignity last night, unlike Kevin Wilds and Devin Booker. There's the medal stand. I'm so irritated right now. Let's move on. Dumb show. Don't take your own segment because you're mad at me. You take doesn't make any sense. You take it. Hey, you were objective, Nick. I'll give you that. I, two sons in it, I'll give you that. You were upset. Wasn't much to choose from. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Tonight on FS1, Randy Rosarena and the Rays take on the Angels. One-two punch, Trout and Otani. Action begins tonight, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, right here on FS1 and the Fox Sports app. Former Celtic Antoine Walker, who has betrayed... The green by going with the Bucks in six or seven, according to him. <laughs> They're also with us. Battle of Club Superstar. Two superstars. One minted. One just got in. That's Jason Tatum. The question is this, Antoine. Who's under more pressure to get their team a win tonight, Giannis or Jason Tatum? I think it's Jason Tatum. Um, I talked about this before um, the last game, and Tatum responded with a 30-point game that he has to be, and we tease about, and we talk about the club superstar and him becoming a superstar, and he showed us that he could get it done, especially on the road with that 30-point performance, which was very impressive. So I think he has to follow that up with a great game tonight. They cannot afford for him not to be aggressive, um, not stay in attack mode, and not have a big game. I don't don't think you want to bank on Al Horford having another 30-point performance. And Al's been great throughout the playoffs. But that, that that's a lot of pressure on a guy who's 35 years old to be able to try to deliver that. And you're asking the guard, the best player in the league. So I think it's on Jason Tatum to, to produce, to stay aggressive throughout the game, not to get in foul trouble, um, and to play a great game if they want to win a game five. This is that next step of putting yourself in that elite category, and we can see if he can do it. Wow, Twan, I think it's definitely more pressure on Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the world. And a lot of people think, like Nick clearly thinks, best player in the world, you got to win the series, all right? And then there's some talking about in the media, some out there, that the Celtics have found the kryptonite for Giannis. He is only there's no shooting talk in 43%. The media. It's just you. 43%. <laughs> it's just you. He, he, hey, 
The numbers are the numbers. He's shooting, he's shooting 43% in this series. That's all my brother is saying, all right? And so, to me, the, these, he's the defending champion. I think the pressure is clearly on Giannis. His wingman, Chris Middleton, is not there. So, you don't have that pressure release, if you will, that he's always been able to count on. So, the, it's all on Giannis's shoulders. He's shooting 10%, Nick, from three-point land. Now, as far as Jason Tatum, he's 24 years old. We'll forgive him. He's so young. He's got a rookie coach. I get the notion, and I think this is where Twan's going, I get the notion that, look, if Boston loses tonight, they're really in trouble, which is true. You're going back to Milwaukee, down 3-2. They could close you out right there. But if Boston uh, wins tonight, if Giannis doesn't get it done, I think, Nick, the idea that now the series rhythm has been broken and finally a team has won two straight. Boston having won two straight, I think would give them all the momentum even as they go back to Milwaukee. So I think Giannis has to get it done tonight. All right. I'm going to say something that I have not said a single time about Bucks Celtics the whole time we've been discussing it. Chris Broussard is absolutely right. There's more pressure on Giannis. There's more pressure on Giannis. There has to be more pressure on Giannis. I don't think the best player in the world wins has to win every series. But I do think the best player in the world is the biggest single advantage you can have within a series. And unless you are playing a historic all-time great team, usually best player in the world is going to come out on top. Also, I think Boston has shown they can win a game where Tatum is not great throughout. They won game two. Tatum was only great in the second half. They won game four. Tatum was really only great the last quarter and a half. Milwaukee has no chance of winning without Giannis being exceptional because Middleton is out. I also think Wilds, I'm not acting like Tatum is satisfied. No, but let's just say the Celtics lose tonight and they lose game six in Milwaukee and Tatum plays fine. He has 25 points, you know, average in the two, a couple games, more than two assists, because I know if you only have two assists, the Wilds will eviscerate you, but he plays fine. Uh, I think people will be like, yeah, Jason Tatum did what he was supposed to do this postseason. Maybe more than that. Outplayed Kevin Durant, made Giannis work for it. Like we, he is in club superstar. He is not in discussion of is Jason Tatum the best player in basketball? Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo are. Giannis is, and some people erroneously said Durant was. And so I feel like the pressure is squarely on Giannis's shoulders because he has to, he had 36 and 18 in game four. And what was the commentary? Wasn't enough. Brew was talking about mythical green stones appearing. And so, yeah, I don't think, I I think Giannis knows he's got to go out and be exceptional. And I think he will be. So I think Giannis will be exceptional as well. I still think Celtics are going to win. Antoine, real quick for you. Giannis had that big dunk, kind of talked a little bit of trash and and fired up Al Horford. So he's been kind of, I would say, more demonstrative than normally. He had the Antoine shimmy that you thought was too much, even though it was off a pass. Do you think Giannis changes his celebrations necessarily after what Al after that celebration seemed to have fired up Al Horford do you think he needs to change anything in the way that he's celebrating during the game 
No, I'm not. I'm not on the court, and I don't hear the trash talking. But it seems like it's a lot of talking going on between the two teams, and I have no problem with that. But I gotta talk about Nick and and Chris. You guys are crazy to think that Giannis has more pressure on him. First of all, he's playing without a super. Uh, playing without without an All Star. Drew Holiday is is not a real scoring point guard. He's a more of a a two way guy. So you're asking, it's, it's obviously his field goal percentage is down because Giannis now has to shoot the ball 30, 35 times. That's not Giannis. Giannis is an efficient offensive player that may take 15 to 17 shots a game. He don't need 30 shots to get uh, 40 points. You guys got to understand that. So he's changing his game as this series goes along and trying to figure out where he needs to be at. And that's the great thing about it. That's why it's no pressure on him. It's pressure for the others to step up and give him support. The Wesley Matthews, the I, Grayson Allens, those guys cannot be coming up with goose eggs. He needs those guys to perform to have an opportunity. The shoot true. percentage is down because he's had to take a he's taking a different role than he had to do his whole career. You're asking him that, to shoot the ball totally 30, 35 times. That don't mean it's pressure. Because if they lose, it won't be because of him. If the Baltimore Celtics I'm lose, right. it will be because of Jason Tatum. It will be. So we know I that. think Brew. I think we're talking, I think we actually agree, and we're just looking at the word, the definition of the word pressure differently. For all the reasons, Brew, Antoine said Giannis isn't under pressure, I think you and I are saying that's why he is. Because Middleton's right, not there, right, because right. Drew Holiday is not a great scoring threat. So I, I don't think we're actually even really disagreeing here. I think we're just looking at it through different lenses, Brew, because I think our analysis is very similar, which is the Bucks have one way to win, which is Giannis being great which is why you and I feel like he is under pressure. Antoine's point, I think, is, okay, but we will understand if they lose because of the situation he's in. Look, Antoine, you bring up a great point, but I I think Nick's right. That's why I think there's more pressure on Giannis because he's not a volume shooter, right? He has to be in this series. His shot attempts are going up like every game. And that really isn't Giannis, but they need it to be Giannis. And so he's in a different role. I don't think people are going to look at it like, man, poor Giannis. He gave it his all. I think they're going to look at it like, wow, he didn't get it done. And these Celtics now have emerged as the best team in the East. The second thing is this, Twan, really quickly. Al Horford, as we showed the highlight, I think he kind of, in a sense, called Giannis out. He, in a sense, called him out. Giannis stared him down after dunking on him, and Horford just was like, okay, okay, and then outplayed him. Held him to six points, you know, with help from his teammates in the fourth quarter, and then scored, what, 12 or 16 himself, whatever it was. And so I think you're the best player in the world. Uh, Another player on the other team called you out and then outplayed you. We want to see an answer in game five. So, yeah, the pressure's on Giannis. I'm with it Celtics win by four. Hey, after the break, we solve all of the Lakers' problems. Stay tuned. Here running the fast break. New call from Bill Blaschke out in the LA Times. Jeannie Buss not happy. Here's the quote. I'm growing impatient. We have the fourth highest payroll in the league. When you spend that kind of money on the luxury tax, you expect to go deep into the playoffs. So yeah, it was gut-wrenching for me to go out on a limb like that and not get the results that we were looking for. Brew... What was your biggest takeaway from this column? 
Well, look, I, I like that Jeannie says she's growing impatient and really wants to get them back to their winning ways. But then when you praise in, in an unwavering way, you praise Rob Palenka, the GM, and Kurt Rambis, Selbridge. the assistant GM or whatever his title is, that tells me you're not that impatient. Because I think she needed to hold their feet to the fire. You don't have to come out and kill them. But she was just so confident in their ability to put this thing back together that it tells me you're not really holding them and putting them to under the pressure that they really should be feeling right now to get this team back with a great offseason. Because LeBron James is still playing at a high level. Anthony Davis is in his prime if you can keep him healthy. And so they should be a contender in the Western Conference just based off those two. So she talked about Palinka Twan like, you know, she's got the utmost faith and confidence in him. And I'm saying Palinka didn't build this championship team. He didn't. LeBron was going there no matter what. And they got LeBron and his group got Anthony Davis to go there. And that's the that's why you won that championship. So I thought the faith in Palinka was a bit unwarranted and overdone. And Rambus, of course, with his 28% winning percentage as a coach, I think she talked about him in glowing terms that weren't warranted either. So I would have just liked to seen a little bit of saying, hey, we believe in Rob and Kurt, but they got to get it done. We've got two cornerstones in LeBron and AD. They've got to put the right pieces around these guys, and I believe they will. I think that would have been a better tone, Twan. Well, I think if she's committed to having LeBron James break this record in a Laker uniform, then you bring everybody back. You don't break this team up. You bring everybody back, mm. and you bank on guys are going to be healthy. You're banking that you're going to get 65 games out of LeBron to 70. You hope that you can get AD to 70 games, which is a lot, and I know that's an, an extreme amount being the, in the past. And you get a coach that can get Westbrook to play within this system, to play with these two guys. You got all the kinks out the way. You figure it out. We know Westbrook is not going to be a great three-point shooter, but he's still a guy that plays every night. He's going to play hard. Guy that had 18, average 18, 7, and 7. He feels very productive on the court. And then you try to put some shooting around them. And I know that's easier said than done, but they've got to add some three-point shooting around those two guys. And you have to play, and Jenny, Jenny Bush should have talked about that. You're not going to win with AD missing 45, 46 games. LeBron missing almost 40 games. It's impossible. You're not going to win in, in, in the Western Conference or in the NBA. There's too much parity and balance in the league now, night in and night out. So if you're going to commit to LeBron James breaking this breaking this, and giving this group, give this group another run. Give them another chance, and you hope they stay healthy. And I'm banking on this. I'm having a conversation with them. Those guys got pride. LeBron has pride. AD should have pride. Westbrook has pride. They should put the work in in the summer. Not so much LeBron James, because LeBron James could have been an MVP candidate this year. But AD and Russ should be in the gym every day trying to get better and trying to show the world they're back at top level. But if you're going to commit to LeBron James breaking this, I would not break it up. Antoine Walker, say what you want about him, America. Loyalty is not a problem for him. Antoine Walker, loyal That's to the true. soil of Russell Westbrook, man. <laughs> He's the only man in America with the bravery to come on television saying, run it back for the Lakers. So I, I respect that. I don't necessarily agree with it. However, that was none of that's my real issue. My issue is with every single one of these genie bus quotes, Miles. 
She's like, oh, going out on a limb and paying the luxury tax. You're the Lakers. You own the Lakers. Paying the luxury tax is not going out on a limb. It's the cost of doing business. And don't whine to me about how expensive the team is unless you're going to pare down some of the salaries for your close personal friends, most notably Linda Rambis. Who knows what she's making? Here's what I do know. When Jeannie Buss says she's had the same job she's had for 40 years, my advisor, Ms. Buss, 40 years ago, you were 20. Did you have an advisor then or a friend? Because she's your friend. It's like, oh, she doesn't have any, she's not involved in basketball operations. She helps our guy, our players get acclimated to Los Angeles. At what, picks out schools? Helps and tells them the neighborhoods to avoid? These are multi-millionaires. They know where they're going to live. They know what's going to happen. But then there's Kurt, who she also dropped the 40-year line on. He's been in basketball for 40 years. Yeah, and for nearly all of them has been employed by your father, you, or your ex-fiance. There's not a whole bunch of people offering Kurt Rambis jobs. It's just the <laughs> Lakers or Lakers adjacent. It's all of these things. And then she's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I want to make it clear. LeBron and Rich Paul run nothing. It all stops with me. Then why every six weeks is there another leak about how LeBron and Rich Paul made us trade for us? We didn't want to. Like, you, you can't say this to Plashke and then have either you or Palenka, who's your concierge in this whole thing, uh, leaking to anyone who will listen. We didn't want Russ. None of us wanted Russ. We, we're not a stars team with the Lakers. Well, they made us do it. It's nonsense. And the loyalty to Palenka, who is more culpable than anybody in this, is just an absurdity. So the whole thing made me upset. On the bright side, Laker fans, she did explain that people still let her hold their babies at games and they're wearing Laker onesies. So that makes me confident <laughs> things are going to get turned around. <laughs> Tough news for Grizzlies fans yesterday. John Morant, doubtful for the rest of the playoffs. Bone Bruins in his right knee. I mean, shocked that people would see it. More than doubtful. Nick, are you concerned at all about Ja's future? I am. So, micro and macro. Micro, bone bruise is one of those injuries that doesn't sound that bad. And then you're like, hey, speaking of Lakers, didn't they use their mid-level exception on Kendrick Nunn? Where was he? And it's like, oh, he missed the year with bone bruise suffered last season. So, the bone bruise part of it is concerning to me. But here's the bigger concern, Antoine. Ja's style of play... I know he didn't get hurt on one of these high-flying plays, but what makes Ja a superstar is he might be, at this moment, the best raw athlete in the league. He had the dunk of the playoffs, even though Wilds didn't think it was any good. Everyone else did. He, his ability to get past people and get to the rim is out of this world. And I do think he, on the spectrum of injury risks, he's got to be one of the highest in the league. That does concern me. Because I don't think he is a superstar without this athleticism. His game's not there yet. No, I, I don't think. I mean, it comes with the game. You, you, we can't. I don't want to get um, overboard or, or try to like pinpoint these injuries that this injury is going to affect his career. Um, it is a little concerning because he did miss 25 games during the regular season. So 
you want you want a guy that's going to be durable. But I wouldn't want him to change his game. I mean, we saw, you know, like I said, I compared him to a Derrick Rose early in his career, as athletic as he was, or Westbrook. Those guys being athletic guards, and both of those guards well, sustained nice. knee injuries early in their career as well. So it's something to think about. Um, it's just unfortunate when you when you're chasing and you're trying to win a championship, you got to have a little luck and you got to stay injury free. Unfortunately. They didn't have any luck. Dylan Brooks had to miss a game. And now Josh is going to probably miss the rest of the series. So um, everybody knows how big I was on Memphis. But, you know, obviously his health is more concerning. His future, this is a guy you're going to build around for the next five or six years. So they got to be cautious of that moving forward. And it is a serious injury because I know Josh's a competitor. And you know he would love to be out there. So I like the fact that they're taking it serious. It's something that they have to really um, monitor with this guy because he is your future. And we saw injuries take guys out and set them back years. And you don't want this to happen to Ja. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm not concerned. Uh, and some of that is just hopeful. Um, I, like, I'm not as concerned about him as, say, a Zion Williamson. Uh, but you brought up the name, Twine, that I think Nick was thinking about and all of us are thinking about. And that's Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose was Ja Morant. You know, in fact, as much as Jaws achieved, Derek had achieved more. He won the MVP in yeah. his third year. This and is Jaws' third year. And he was an explosive player, a small guard who was explosive like Ja. And obviously his knees gave out because he put so much torque on him. I think the difference is that Ja is not quite as herky-jerky as Derrick Rose was. Rose was completely herky-jerky, and I think that put more pressure on his on his knees. Jaws more straight-line explosiveness, like a Westbrook. And Westbrook, even though he's been hurt, for the most part, he's been very durable. And so I think that can help Ja. And he is a little bit herky-jerky, though. But I think he'll be a, you know, I'm looking at him more following the Westbrook uh, route and not being as injury-prone as Derrick Rose. And a lot of that's hopeful because I be, Nick's right. If you take away his athleticism at this moment, he's not close to the same player. Although maybe he'll work on his skills and get better in those yeah, ways. Yeah, but too. that's but that's the other thing. This is a big summer for Ja. For as great as he is, he's got to become a more consistent shooter, and he's got to become a better defensive player. How long is he going to be on the shelf this summer? before he can start getting back in the gym and working on those things. All of this matters for a player that we look at as one of the great players in this league. Antoine, however, I have good news for you because you did pick the Grizzlies and now it looks like they're dead. You are totally, and I'm being sincere here, off the hook. Broussard announced a week ago that he's inspected the first things first bylaws and any injury whatsoever, up to and including Marcus no, Smart whatsoever. missing one game. Yeah, you were like, Marcus Smart missed one game. I'm off the hook for the Celtics. So John Morant <laughs> out for the series means you are totally off the hook. You don't have to worry about it at all, Antoine. It's like the pick never happened. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is that is true, though. Twine, you are off the hook. You are off the hook. <laughs> Blow out Nick, the map. So a lot much. of people are talking about the Drake sweep. Suns and six, Drake sweep. No one's yes. talking about the Drake sweep. Storm. We'll no one is. NFL schedule release tomorrow, 8 Eastern, right here on FS1 and NFL Network. You are now entering the no bull zone. Sponsored by Credible. Great rates. 
none of the bowl. We're headed to Phoenix. Devin Booker, 28 points. Suns win game five by 30. Luca had two more assists than I did for a total of two. Nick, how worried are you after Luca and the Mavs got blown out? I'm not worried at all. Listen, I, I, I had hope that Luca was going to do what Giannis did, fall down 0-2 and then win four straight. But realistically, this was always going to be a seven-game series, and it's going to be a seven-game series where Luka Doncic arrives as a pathway, you know, on his path to being one of the ten greatest players ever, and that's probably being conservative by winning game six at home and then game seven in Phoenix. I also have late-breaking bad news for Broussard and maybe for Chris Paul as well. I don't know if you saw last night, Scott Foster was not officiating. And the NBA just announced the officials for tonight. It's the Mark Davis crew and the Zach Zarba crew. So Scott Foster not officiating tonight. So one would think we might get a Scott Foster game tomorrow night. Hmm. Where do I think Scott Foster might land? Maybe in Dallas? Maybe a little CP3 special? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I know that the Suns are an excellent team with a fantastic coach and as deep as any team in the league. Plus, they are on pace to be the greatest team in league history when leading after three quarters. The only team ever to be undefeated when leading after three quarters is the 2020 Lakers. They went 57 and 0. The 2018 Cavs went like 54 and 1 and the 96 Bulls went like 65 and 1. The Suns are 53 and 0 when leading after three quarters, bro. So the the Mavs lost this game in the third quarter. It was close at halftime. They they right. screwed up. They would 17-0 run in the third. The Suns ran away and hid. They had no shot from there on out. That's not going to happen again. Reggie Bullock's not going to go over again. Luka's not going to struggle the way he did again. I'm not worried about it. Jay Crowder all of a sudden is not the hottest shooter in the playoffs. That makes me happy. DeAndre, like the 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 Mavs at home are going to get back on track, and we're going to have a game seven. And then we're going to see. In a game seven, I'll take the clear-cut best player in the series. I'll take Luka. So, no, not worried, bro. You should be worried. You need time machine to be right about this thing. Because we're playing okay. a game six. You guarantee it wouldn't go past worried. five. Yeah. Well, You're well, just so look, wrong. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Your math about Scott Foster, that's a little disconcerting. <laughs> I don't want to see yeah, him anywhere within yeah, 100 buddy. miles of a game that Chris oh, Paul is playing. So I'll give you that. But great no, official. Nick, you should be worried. And number one, I want to put, some, before we go further into real analysis, I want to put something to bed. Because you, over the yeah. last week or so, have kicked this idea. You've said it on the airwaves. I think it's caught fire. And a lot of people were like, you know, CP3 and Devin Booker making fun of Luka. You yeah. hear what Nick Wright said? He said he reminded him of LeBron and D. Wade making fun of making the fun other of awesome international player in Dallas Mavericks history, Dirk Nowitzki in the 2011 yeah. finals. We, and you parallel. saw what happened there. Look, there is yeah, no parallel. Because that oh, team God. in 2011, LeBron and Wade, they never won another game. After mocking Dirk for having the flu, happened, they never won another game. We saw last night, not only did the Suns win Wilds, they destroyed Knicks Mavericks. So let's put that to bed. No similarities, no comparisons. It's irrelevant. All right. Let's get down to the basketball. The bottom line, Nick, and you know this, the best team in this series 
is the Phoenix Suns, period. I'll give you, Dallas has the best player. No one denies that outside of CP3 and Booker. We all know Luka's the best player in this series, but it's a team game. And I believe that Luka Wilds, he's got to carry the Mavs. And he's been challenged, and, I, you know, he's trying to be a better defensive player. And it's wearing him down. All right, you look at his shooting over the last three games. Now, they won the first two, but over the last three games, his shooting has plummeted. He was well over 50%, round 54, 55% in games one and two from the field. 41% in the last three. You mentioned it. Only two assists created by him yesterday in the game. Couldn't answer the bell. Didn't didn't do much after halftime. Ten points in the second half total. And I think the parade of good, strong defenders – uh, uh, Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. I think that is beginning to wear Luka down. And I don't think he, as, as broad as his shoulders are, Wilds, I don't think he's going to be able to carry this Mavs team to another victory in this series. Accurate take. When the Suns pulled away in the third quarter. And one of the more interesting little trash talk uh, pieces we got from Devin Booker. It's a hard foul by Dorian Finney-Smith. Ends up being upgraded to a flagrant. Booker's on the ground, take a listen. What's more infuriating this morning? Devin Booker calling that the Luka special or Wilds continuing to insist that Luka having two assists was a lack of passing. He had 10 potential assists last night. Hard to get assists on missed shots. Look that up on basketball reference. But more importantly, let's talk about this moment, my friend, because we are seeing uh, we are seeing a conjecture of two different things happening, both of which infuriate me combination i should say one is the nba's obsession with reviews and flagrant fouls has now turned into players once they're already on the ground flopping and fans you heard the fan stay down devin stay down because they know these refs if you stay down long enough we'll just go to the monitor and invent a flagrant this is the worst flagrant foul call of the playoffs now the game was such a blowout it didn't matter at all but he didn't get hit in the head. He didn't get hit in the neck. He just flopped around on the ground like a fish. That's first of all. But second of all, bro, you might say I was wrong about CP3 and Devin Booker mocking Luka after game two. You're like, well, that's not LeBron and D-Wade because the Heat never won another game. Okay, well, then this is the moment. And I'm telling you right now, Devin Booker, Devin Booker, who right now is having his time in the sun. Is he the best player on the Suns? Could Devin Booker be finals MVP? Was Devin Booker the biggest snub from Knicks club superstar? All these things. Okay. Going to be a little bit of pressure on old don't double me in summer league D-Book when they lose game six and he has a home game seven after mocking Luka. There's a lot of, there's not many things you can criticize about Luka, but there are a few. One is, he's a whiner. He's whining after every play. Another is, he is an aggressive trash talker. In his defense, he gets that from his father. That's how I played as well. 
Another is, at times, he can be a lackadaisical <laughs> defender. Brew, what is not a fair criticism is that he's soft. Is that he, that he is pretending to get hit in the face when he's not. That is actually the Chris Paul move, not the Luka Doncic move. So this is a bridge too far. And, uh, uh, you know, he has crossed the insult Rubicon and he will rue the day, Brew. Oh. Because Luka's going to come for him in game six. Well, see, look, you said a lot that was true there, and I'll get to that. But here's, you know it's over, Nick, because you're believing in fairy tales and pixie dust. And, oh, so you see, you're not pointing out any game strategy, any analysis, any trends you've seen. You're pointing Heart to, did you will. see that? Devin Booker mocked Luka. That's all you got. Yeah. That's all you got to have faith in your Mavericks pulling this thing out. I'm with you. Luka is not soft. Luka's tough. And Luka is is acquitting himself well in this series. And after it's all said and done in a couple days, CP3 and Booker will certainly give Luka his props. I have no doubt about that. But Nick, there no, this is not going to come back to haunt them. What's going to come back to haunt somebody is your snubbing of Devin Booker. He definitely wanted to get the respect he deserves by being in club superstar and you dissed him, you dismissed him with him being the leading scorer on the best team in the league. He should have been in club superstar and you know it and I know it and you're going to put him there after the season. I I, I bet you, you end up uh, editing club with the way things are going and giving Booker he might, an invitation. He might take his teammate Chris Paul's place. Chris Paul, a terrible game three, an awful game four, mediocre at best last night, and a Scott Foster He's special due. game six coming. Yeah, well, not, not, if, not, not if my old friend Scott Foster has anything to say about it. We'll see. NBA referee assignments, the most exciting moment of every day. 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll find out. This thing's That's going south. And you had a gentleman sweep, Wilds had a sweep, so you guys are both wrong no matter what. I'm the only person who has a chance to be right about this. Put the broom away. I have a chance to be right. Drake Sweep, (laughs) Suns and Six. Yes. Undisputed, up next. Drake Sweep, still alive, Suns and Six.